0: Hosting for this podcast is made possible through mtgcast.com, which is supported by a generous contribution from quietspeculation.com, Magic's premier trading and financial news site. Hi, this is Jeremy Schofield. Welcome to The Upkeep. Episode 2, June 9th, 2013. The Upkeep is a show dedicated to the PTQ Grinder. I aim to bring you results and deck lists for every major event related to the current PTQ format. Pro Tours, Grand Prix, SCGs, PTQs, WMCQs, Motor Premier Events, we've got it all. Hello, I'm Jeremy Schofield, welcome to The Upkeep. This week, we're looking at Star City Games Live at St. Louis. The PTQ in Edmonton, Alberta, as well as Durham, North Carolina. I've got a couple decks from Manchester, UK, and we've got the decks from last week's PTQ in Florida, or Hollywood, Florida. Uh, we're also going to be going through some of the Moto Daily pre- and Premier events, as well as we'll be taking an in-depth look at a new list that Travis Wu trying to push out there that got him to a top 8 finish in Portland. Before we get started, I want to send a sincere thanks to listeners who reached out with their feedback, and uh, even some folks who sent some deck lists in from uh, their local PTQs. What I wanted to touch on really uh, was just the vision and the goals of this podcast. I wanted to make a nice quick podcast that we go through the decks show what's happening in the metagames, and talk about any new changes that are happening to the established decks, as well as new decks that are on the horizon. So I really want to make this go nice and quickly. What I saw last episode is we went into kind of the 45 minute range. I really want that to be the longest episode that we have. And uh, I'm going to really avoid going into depth on decks, and more just kind of touch on the archetypes, as well as point out any sort of changes that are happening to them. Uh, Really just try to identify any kind of shift in those decks. Uh, with that, as we change seasons, I believe that we'll probably be best to have kind of a introduction episode, a longer episode that'll really kind of establish what we think the metagame looks like going into the new PTQ season. So I'm really excited to kind of see how this show evolves. I really appreciate all the feedback I'm getting, and I'm going to do my best to kind of grow this show with you. So if you hear anything that's going on that you feel a little bit iffy about, or think that you have a way that you can improve the show, please shoot me a Twitter send me an email, reach out to me. I'm really forward to hearing what you guys have to say. So with that said, let's get started. Our first stop this week takes us to St. Louis, where the Star City Games Open Series was in full swing. Casey Hanford took down the uh, tournament with a Act Two Aristocrats deck. Uh, really, this deck here... Kind of a standard Act 2 list. Uh, I was running a couple Obsidats main deck, had another one in the sideboard. Uh, kind of a new innovation in there was the uh, Glaring Spotlight. Really cool card to help uh, deal with some of the uh, hexproof uh, lists. Again, it's a removal light deck uh, with the tragic slips, but still, if you can get like that key you guys St. kill or Invisible Stalker kill, that can really swing the game in your favor. As well as it's interesting in the sense that, you know, it can be that, uh, that colorless teleportal to get through a big swing with your guy. Uh, to finish the game off, uh, he's also got a couple of symbol of legions in there that are really strong in that control matchup, and then he's you know running some of the standard stuff that you'd see in there, the Lilianas, uh, more blasphemous acts, uh, a Thundermall hellkite, which was really nice in the aristocrat mirrors, uh, you know against uh, the, the green decks and stuff like that might uh, put in a little uh, uh, spice to uh, help uh, win out that. And then, you know, the mark mutinies that have been very popular against reanimator strategies. Uh, he's also got a couple pillars of, uh, pillar of flames, which is just, you know, proven to be a necessity with all the voice of resurgence kicking around out there. Uh, in order to get that first place, he had to beat out uh, Gene Reichsmeyer. Uh, kind of a tough last name that I'm sure I butchered. And he was running the Naya Blitz deck. Uh, I really like this deck. Uh, Going to start running it online, trying it out. Uh, primarily because it has main deck madcap skills. So uh, you're seeing a lot of things like uh, Reanimator and, and uh, even the Aristocrats list. like Little things that are just... Uh, they'll get one kind of powerhouse card on the board, and that guy will be the card that's there to defend them. So, in uh, some of your white-red blues, it'll be like a Boros Reckoner. In Reanimator, it'll be like a Thrag Tusk. It'll have like this one defensive creature that they want to do all the blocking while they pound in through other uh, ways. Uh, Madcap skills means that they have to throw two guys in there. So, all of a sudden, you know, you might be trading with a Thrag Tusk, or half of a Thrag Tusk, and a Mana Dork. You know, just like little things like that where you can kind of force them to have multiple things. Not to mention, with the control matchup, sometimes that Boros Reckoner is the only Boros Reckoner. So, all of a sudden, he can't block at all, and that Reckoner is doing no work. So, uh, this deck, again, very, very tight curve. It's, you know, all the humans, it's the uh, Boros Elite, the Experiment Ones, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Sideboard, nothing too exciting. Again, Pillars, Thalia's, Ray of Revelation is kind of their thing, and therefore Hexproof, uh some Boros Charms for the control, Boros Reckoners for you know kind of the uh the, the mirror match, uh but really a standard Nia Blitz list, very human oriented, nothing too new in there. Uh, in third place was another Nihilist and this one here is a little bit more of like the big Naya style, so this one here has got, you know, the, the Thundermaw Hellkite, Voice of Resurgence uh, you know, not just the humors, uh, humans just going for like the good value creatures in Naya and in that mid-range feel, uh, keeping the spells down to 5 so that he can run the 4 Domini Raid and, you know, always be uh, really, really strong on drawing that uh, card whenever you're doing your plus 1 uh, with that, he's got, you know, uh, in the sideboard, some Unflinching Courage, which is really good in that mirror style or just in any of the aggressive decks where you just want to kind of get that life total up uh really nothing too fancy though it's just you know the Garricks and the ray of revelation 23 lands a uh, really standard Nia list, something that we've seen over the last couple of weeks uh we also happen to see a couple of geist lists uh in fourth and fifth place so the first geist list we're seeing is something that i would say is kind of a standard blue white red geist list in that it has you know restoration angel snapcaster mage Geisus draft. it's running a couple Thunder Maws, it has some Ralzarix, Zerix uh, and really just kind of fitting in the red, white, blue control uh, shell, so you know, the removal the counter spells, the Sphinx Revelations just some real basic stuff uh, nothing really fancy in the sideboard, static casters, clones more counter magic, purify the grave, uh, really really kind of basic what you'd expect Uh, When we go into the other uh, Blue-White-Red Geist list, we're seeing a lot of the same. Uh, They're not playing the Ralzarix in this one here, and they're not playing the Thundermaw Hellkites. And because of that, they're able to jam more removal into the list. Add a Sphinx Revelation, kind of keep going things that way. Uh, because he's got more spells in it, he's put a Rune Chanters Pike in his sideboard. So if you kind of run into one of these lists that sees uh, a lot more spells and stuff like that coming, uh, he's not really jamming down the board. You don't see the Ralzeric, you don't see the Thundermind Hellkites. They might be running this list, and that means after that board, if you put yourself into a situation where Rune Chanters Pike might be something that's very difficult to deal with, uh, just be aware of it. You know, it might mean bringing in an Abrupt Decay if you're. In green black it might just you know mean bringing in one more piece to kind of keep that off the board because that card can really you know it makes all of their threats extra scary and it means that uh, blocking Geist of St. Traff is a lot harder to do uh, we've also got uh, a Naya Blitz deck uh, that was in 6th place, so it's very similar to the one we already discussed. This one here, though, is going a little bit more on the cute side. And uh, by that, it's got a Fiend Hunter in it, so it can do some fun stuff like that. And it's also got some non-humans in it, so it's got a couple boars, it's got a couple of the clan Rampagers, just to get like those big value cards. Uh, and then this one here is running something that I've seen just uh, recently. Uh, it's been popping up in a few decks, and that is the Kessick Malcontents. So that's the 3-mana... red guy and what he does is when he comes into play target player loses life equal to the amount of humans you have or he deals damage i should say now uh really really cool in these decks here because uh if you find some way to kind of lock out the board or do something like that, you know, this guy, he could be coming down on turn 3 or turn 4 for like 5 points of damage plus, you know, whatever he's swinging for. So, really, really powerful effect. uh, Really gives them kind of an extra reach, and it makes it so that they can pound through a lot more damage. Uh, With this... His spells are really cute also, in the sense that he's running a couple Cloud Shift, and this card is really cool in this deck, because it does so many different things. It can be uh, another counter on a Champion of the Parish, with pretty much all of your creatures. It can be another counter on Experiment 1, if you're flashing out the Flint Hoof and putting it back into play, you know, like one of the 3 threes and if you've only got the 2-2 two two Experiment 1. Uh, with Fiend Hunter, if you've got the extra mana, you can permanently exile something, or you can upgrade your Fiend Hunter onto something stronger. Uh, you can use it with Lightning Mauler to pair up to a new creature that just came into play this turn to get, you know, a, a new Hasted creature. So it can do some really cool things. Mayor of Abenbrook, if it flips and you want to get that plus one, plus one back for your humans, you can cloud shift it to put it back into its human form, flip it back to its regular side, and bang, you've got plus one, plus one on all of your dudes again. So really, really cute. Um, sideboard, he's really just kind of sticking with the Fiend Hunter Hunter Plant, an Azorius Arrester, which is another h- good utility human. Uh, some Gruul Charms, so that one there is a great way for him to deal with the lingering souls that are coming out of all these Aristocrat decks. Uh, he's got a couple Boros Charms for the Board Wipes, he's got Purify the Graves, Ray of Revelation, so just, you know, standard uh, cards there. Uh, Thalia's, you know, really good against the control matchup. And then he's got the Mark of Mutiny, which, you know, is again is a standard Reanimator tech, but with Cloud Shift, it's really, really cute, because you can steal their dude, You can exile it. And then when it comes back into play, it's yours and it doesn't go back to them. So really, really cool interaction there. Fun deck. Uh, It takes away some of the explosive power from the other Nihilists because it kind of moves up the curve a little bit more and stays away from the humans a bit. But just really, really powerful. Uh, then we've also got a Jun list. Uh, the Jun list, really, nothing too exciting happening here. You know, Jun. This is kind of the same thing that we've all seen. Uh, some kind of neat things. They've got Gaze of Granite, and they've got Barter and Blood in the sideboard. Uh, Barter and Blood is kind of taking the spot of the extra Lilianas, and it's there to kind of deal with the uh, the hexproof lists. Uh, a lot of people were, you know, originally on the Liliana plan because the sacrifice effect is a way to deal with hexproof creatures, but it wasn't getting the job done because those text proof decks are running the mana dork. So it's kind of like sure you can make them sacrifice a dude but you know they just use like an absence Pilgrim to power out a Geist of Sand Traft. they're choosing the Pilgrim so you're not really getting ahead. The Barter and Blood costs one more mana but it's going to give you that little bit more sacrifice reach that you can probably take out that Geist of Sand Traft. and with the removal that already exists in this deck you're really guaranteeing that you're going to hit that, uh, that, that loaded up guy. Uh, Gaze of Granite also kind of the same story uh, once you can get that to exit three, you pretty much wipe out that uh, that uh, hexproof deck, and it does great double duty versus the aristocrats list because all of them tokens don't really matter. So some neat stuff going on in that jun list. Uh, at the PTQ in Edmonton that I was just recently at, we saw a lot of the very same text, so that text really getting out there, so you have to be aware of it. Uh, last spot was an Esper control list. Uh, really, really good to see that control's out there. Not a whole lot happening here. It's got a couple threats, uh, in the Jace and soren it's got the Aetherlings, and then it's got, you know, your Sphinxes, all kinds of card draw, all kinds of removal, mass removal, blah, 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 blah. Sideboard has got a lot of appetite for brains, so four set in there. An ap- Type for brains is definitely going to start to show up in more of these lists that have black, just because it deals with things like Aetherling. It deals with all of these really powerful cards that are happening, uh, especially Reanimator. You can really hurt them. You can hurt Jund. You can hurt the uh, Mirror, the control decks in the Mirror. So, just a really, really strong card that we should expect to see more of. So this week we had a PTQ in my hometown of Edmonton, Alberta. I was there. Uh, I've got some uh, top eight lists uh, from that event. Uh, really, it was kind of uh, an interesting meta is that we really had a lot of things going on. It seemed like uh, Hexproof was kind of the enemy of the tournament, so there was a lot of hate going on in boards for that deck. But as far as actually running into it, it was kind of you know your average representation of any sort of deck. Didn't really see anything too spicy, but I did want to run through kind of the top eight lists and just uh, really touch on it. Uh, all of these lists are going to be available in my show notes, there'll be a link to it, uh, a spreadsheet that I've got from the TO. So uh, our first place went to a fellow by the name of Andrew Olson. Uh, He's kind of a new guy in our scene, but my understanding is he's from the East Coast, Canada, and he's been uh, grinding PTQs. I think he's even got a a high finish at a GP. Uh, He was running the red-green aggro deck, but you know, not really green. It's, you know, just green for the uh, Gore Clan guys and the Flint Hoof Boars, but for the most part, it's like really just heavy on the red with the burn and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, Nothing really exciting happening here. Nothing Uh, too much happening in the board, so if you've kind of seen any of these lists, uh, it's really the same thing. Just kind of gets on the board and beats uh, down. Uh, Unfortunately, I wasn't able to kind of get like a second, third, fourth, fifth place, but I'm just going to really touch on some of the decks. Uh, We had uh, one deck there that was uh, very much like what I would call a Jun mid-range, and it's funny to call a Jun mid-range deck at that, but Jun so much has moved to this control-style matchup. Lots of removal, some hand denial, some uh, planeswalkers, and then just the efficient creatures like Huntmaster, Thrag Tusk, and Olivia. Uh, you don't really see too much on the aggro side of things, so this one here really kind of plays into that. It's got Arbor Elves, it's got Flint Hook Bores, it's got Domirades, Raids, it's got Thundermaw Hellkites and Knights of Infamy just don't want to call it aggro because you know, it's really got the higher curve than aggro, but between aristocrats and thunder maws, it really feels like Cedric Phillips, uh, uh, unfriendly skies list from a while back. Uh, he was also, you know, in in his list, he was really heavy on the appetite for Brains, which I had kind of mentioned from the previous tournament, Uh, as well as he had a couple Gloom Surgeons in there for the faster deck. So, really, really interesting list. Uh, Something that'd be worth trying out. Uh, We also had, you know, a couple of the standard Jun lists that were there. Really, uh, (laughs) what can you say about these lists? We kind of look at them every week. Uh, One thing to point out is that, you know, we're seeing uh, some Barter and Bloods in these guys' lists. Uh, Vraska in one, Gaze of Granite in the other. Uh, Both really, really strong cards. Uh, I think I like the Gaze of Granite version more, but I would try and fit the Vraska in there. Uh, actually, <laughs> excuse me, it looks like Vraska was in both lists, and that card's just really, really strong in the control matchup. It deals with a lot of things, be it uh, uh, Assemble the Legion and other fun things like that. So uh, it's just a good utility card. Uh, we also had a uh, Band Hex Proof list, so you know it's something that I've been already talking about a lot. Uh, it was kind of the enemy at the tournament, but there was a lot of them out there, one of them making through to the top eight. Uh, Spell Rupture seems to be kind of like the new tech. I don't know if that's necessarily fair to call it new, but it- it's really effective. It's a good way to kind of deal with their tricks. Uh, and this list here was also running Fog, so he can really just kind of bunker down, get his beats in, and not get raced by the ultra aggressive decks in the format. It kind of gives him a way to deal with that. Uh, then we also had uh, uh, white, red, blue. Uh, kind of, they have it listed as a bit more of an aggro deck, but really, it's just kind of a white, red, blue control. It's got a couple har- uh, snapcasters, a couple restoration angels, some augers. So it's getting a little bit more of the the beatdown into it, but it's you know kind of the same old plan of just build out the board. Uh, use the Lighthouse to kind of get you to the cards that you need, drop an Aetherlane on the board, beat the Living tar out of the other guy. Uh, sideboard, nothing too fancy, just what you would expect out of, you know, a white, red, blue control list. Uh, we had another one that was really uh, heavy on the white, red, blue control. Uh, just, he kind of brings it back, goes a little bit more of the Planeswalker side of things with Tamios and Jace, down to the one Aether Lane, a few Snapcasters, and just, you know, burn and card draw, Again, nothing too fancy in the sideboards from either of these two. And then, uh, we also had the Junk Aristocrats. And this is a list I kind of went through very much on the the, the last episode. This episode here, uh, it's going to be just a slight change to the sideboard, uh... The uh, player Shane Simpson, he had brought in a couple Profit Loss. Uh, I saw a few of them throughout the day. Really, really handy card in the mirror. Uh, can kind of wreck guys, as well as really strong with those uh, Naya Aggro decks. Just for fun, I should also mention in ninth place, we had a copy of that Golgari uh, mid-range deck, the Desecration Demon deck, uh, a deck that just beats up on mid-range decks and doesn't really fare too well against Control, Uh, just missing out on Tiebreaker. So I thought I'd just throw that one in there because that deck has been having some really strong finishes as of late. Moving on, we head to uh, the PTQ hosted by Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, This tournament really seemed like a a bit of a different meta. Uh, We had uh, Zachary Jesse who had won the tournament, and he was doing it with an Esper control list. So Sorens and Jace and just kind of the Drown Yard, kill everything, draw cards, control the board, stuff that we've expected from... uh, these Esper Control lists that have really fallen off as of late. Uh, things to keep an eye out for. He had a couple Cursed Death's Hold so really, really strong against the Aristocrats decks that are getting more and more popular right now. Uh, he had kind of a random Angel of Serenity in there, running some Obsidat, and Blind Obedience which is just a really strong card uh, against those aggro lists. Really takes the bite out of all that haste stuff, obviously. Uh, we saw a reanimator list also, uh, second place, and really, really standard uh, reanimator list. Uh, he's kind of pulled some of his oozes uh, or acidic slimes out of the main deck. So, kind of a card that had been making really, really big progress into the main board has come out. Uh, and where this guy went is he went with the Crater Hook behemoth, so he brought that back and brought it back in a big way. Sideboard, nothing too exciting. Third place, we have another reanimator list. Uh, This guy here is definitely on the Acidic Slime plan. Uh, Nothing too exciting in his sideboard. I guess the Blood Baron of uh, Vizicopa would be the spicy card there. Again, uh, really, really strong in some of the aggro lists, like the nihilist because it can deal with some of these uh, smaller guys that are coming in, champions and such, as well as really strong against some of the uh, aristocrat-style lists. And even can have some play in some of the control matchups just because of the, the life draw and being able to deal with some of the removal that's out there. Uh, fourth place, we have, uh, again, just a, another Esper list, uh, running the main deck Bloodbearing this time, a couple Aetherlands and some Angels of Serenity, so this is just really like a big Esper-type list. Uh, and you know what? It's actually not even Esper, it's kind of a four-color control with uh, with... Well, i guess it, it really feels like an esper list but he's jammed in thrag tusk and he's jammed in mulch and he's jammed in farseek so it's it's kind of like a four color good stuff almost like the four color reanimator list that we were talking about the week before but instead of running uh the red side of it he's brought in blue so he gets a little bit more of the card draw forbidden alchemies that kind of stuff so uh, really really interesting list that is the uh, matthew spano list uh so definitely check it out again this will be in the show notes uh, fifth place, we're just seeing the Dominy Raid base uh, Naya lists, uh, Huntmasters, Loxon on Spiders, Restoration Angels, Sundemal, Hellkites, Domini Raids, uh, Voice Resurgence, so on and so forth. Nothing too exciting in the board. Uh, going into the next list, uh, this is a Red, White, Blue Control. Uh, really, uh, he's got a Flames of the Firebrand main deck, which is kind of neat. He's running the Harvest Pyre uh, Reckoner combo. He's got pretty much one of all of the different types of removal uh, in the board. Nothing too exciting. I Renounce the Guilds. I think that's kind of a cool card. It's a strong card that can go against the Hexproof list. Strong card versus the Aristocrats list strong card in the Mirror matchup because it deals with uh, the Assemble the Legions, that kind of stuff, kills off, you know, powerful planeswalkers like Soren, uh, Ralzarek. So it can do a lot of work. Uh, at the same time, it can backfire on you. Uh, it makes you sack your own Boros Reckoner. So something to keep aware of. Uh, then we had a just really, really aggressive Nihilists. So, Reckoners, Smiters, Goreclan, Rampagers, Voice Resurgence, a couple Advent of the Worms, and Rancor, so really playing up that side of things. Uh, Running a couple uh, Pacifisms, and some Angels of Jubilation in the sideboard. So, really, really interesting card there with the Angel of Jubilation. Uh, I guess, you know, it kind of makes some of your dudes bigger, and (sighs) yeah, just, uh, it's strong against uh, aristocrats because they can't do all their sacrifice effects. So it's neat. And then uh, last uh, but not least, we've got another junk uh, aristocrats list. So uh, I've a profit loss in this one uh, in the sideboard. Uh, went heavy on the uh, appetite for brains. And the main deck kind of what we expect from the main deck. Very fortunate also to have uh, some deck lists sent to me. Uh, from uh, the PTQ in Manchester. Uh, this was uh, from Nathan, and he uh, was able to send me the winners' deck list and the finalist deck list uh, from that tournament. So, Matt's Volsberg, uh, he was running the uh, red black burn deck. So, Cacklers, Stormcrick Nobles, Ash Zealots, Boris Reckoners, Hellriders, Falcon Wrath Aristocrats, Thundermaw, Hellkites. Just a really, really aggressive list. Searing Spears, Pillar of Flames, Mizzium Mortars. Uh, you know, just kind of gets the job done. Uh, really in the sideboard, we saw an Electricery, you know, really strong against, uh, Lingering Souls tokens, small dudes that get in the way. Ractos Charm, which can be, you know, a good finisher, uh, against, versus some of the similar decks, as well as, you know, again, uh, versus, uh, Graveyards, uh, interaction I saw actually this weekend at my PTQ was a guy Ractos Charming, uh, to get the voice token into play, which, you know, was able to, uh give that last point of damage, so with a Voice of Resurgence on the board, you know, it can really act in a a funny way, because that voice token will come into play before the spell resolves. Um, Cremate in the board, good against Reanimator, draws a card, uh, and then Flames of the Firebrand, again, a way to kind of spread the wealth a little bit there, so. uh, Also, he was running some Duresses, which, you know, it's really strong. Uh, A lot of ways, you know, decks like this, uh, if they can't, when, when they play against Control... You can't necessarily stop the other guy's removal in a way. Like, it, it's very, very difficult to deal with that. So, one of the lines of thought is you bring in these card, uh, card discard spells, these targeted discard spells, as a way to be removal for the removal. So you're going to, you know, take a shot at his hand to try and get rid of the ways that he's going to kill your creature. So it's, it's just a little bit on the next level side, but it's also a way to kind of think about it is that, like, you know, he doesn't have any threats to kill yourself. So what you need to do is you need to take away his ability to hurt you. So just a good disarming type uh, technique. Uh, he ended up uh, beating an Esper control list in the finals, so this one was a really heavy uh, planeswalker list. I think we've talked about this on the last episode at the uh, SCG. A couple Athelines, a Jace, a Soren, Tamios, uh, the other Jace. Full out on the Revelations, Dead Weights, Think Twice, Warp Physiques, Lingering Souls, all kinds of just beat your stuff up. Running a couple Drown Yards, running a Vault of the Archangel. Lots of land. So just. Really, really cool list there. Uh, one of the cards I actually wanted to talk about was Rest in Peace, that's in the sideboard of this. Uh, it saw a lot of sideboard play, but uh, if you're really, you know, theory crafting, you're sitting down to play, you didn't get a time to jam a lot of games, uh, just as a person who played Aristocrats at the PTQ, Rest in Peace versus the Aristocrat stack is very, very strong. Anything that's running like a Blood Artist, uh, even Voice, You don't have to be too cute when you kill a voice when a Rest in Peace is in play because that exile effect will negate its dying trigger. So things do not die when Rest in Peace is in play. They are exiled, so you don't lose life to Blood Artists. You don't get a voice token. Uh, It it really changes how a lot of these decks abuse the game. Uh, Obviously Tusk still works because Tusk is just made to always work. So, uh, again, I really want to thank Nathan for sending in this list. This is a perfect example of how the community can help itself. So, if you guys are at the PTQS this weekend, we'll be talking about them a little bit later, where they're happening. If you can send me in deck lists, if you can point people my way, TOs, judges, the guy who won it, anybody in the top eight, just fire on my way. I will be glad to interview them, get their list up on here and uh, really, really just impressed with how, you know, even after one episode I'm already getting some content back. So, Nathan, I'm going to go through my box of goodies from, you know, running around, grabbing tournaments and stuff like that and try and send you something out. I'm pretty sure I actually just saw my San Diego uh, play mat. Uh, I don't use it, so I'll make sure to uh, reach out to you and find a way to get it out to you. And uh, I'd love to, you know, just kind of send trinkets to anybody who can bring in, uh, you know, deck lists and stuff like this that uh, haven't quite been published on the mothership yet speaking of the mothership we've got uh deck lists from the florida hollywood or hollywood florida ptq that happened two weeks ago and uh not even two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Uh, we've got uh, Jimmy Hartman, who won that tournament. He took it down with a Nihilist. Uh, this is very much kind of like that mid-range Naya, A little bit of ramp, some creatures, some beats, adding of the Worms, Domni raids, Mizzia Mortars, so on and so forth. Really nothing fancy in the sideboard. Uh, kind of what you'd expect. Uh, very similar to that Adele list. Uh, then we've got a... White Red Blue list, uh some of the Legions main deck, uh Augur Bolus Restoration Angel, Snapcaster Mage. Kinda surprised there's no Aethelme, but you know, it's really that uh I don't even want to say flash. It has a lot of flash stuff, but it's also got like a lot of stuff in the middle. Just really what uh you would expect uh, you know, kind of before Dragon's Maze came out. Uh in the sideboard, nothing really fancy here either uh we've got uh, another list that is uh, kind of on the band control side of things so it's running the advent of the worms it's got you know uh the essence scatter main plasm capture main a simic charm so just some really really cute stuff from dragon's maze in here in the sideboard uh it's running another plasm catcher it's got tristani to get some life up uh Really, uh, it's kind of a, a neat list in the sense that we haven't really seen a lot of it as of yet, and it kind of brought back Morland Haunt in its main deck, so that that's really neat. Uh, I, I'm guessing it did really well because, you know, it got a third place finish, obviously, so uh, haven't seen too much of that, so it's worth checking out. Again, you can find the deck list in the show notes. Uh, we've got, uh, following that, the uh, four-color reanimator uh, list. This is uh, kind of that Adam Prozac list. Uh, We talked a little bit about it last week. Nothing too different from the sideboard. Uh, Really, I guess, you know, this is kind of when that deck was making its premiere. Uh, So uh, there really hadn't been any time for evolution on it. Uh, Then we had the uh, green-red, just aggro beat down mid-range Domini Raid, running the four main deck Bonfires. Uh, this guy here is really just kind of playing that uh, deck that's already been out there. We kind of all know about it, so nothing really too exciting happening here. Um, yeah. Uh, we got the uh, Jun Control side of things. This one here had the uh, main deck Sire of Insanities. Uh, sideboard had, you know, Cursed S Hold, which is always a good piece. Uh, and then this Again, not really a lot happening this it 's so funny to think that you know in two weeks uh, what was you know standard doesn't really seem like new technology that's kind of the old shoe and that's really the interesting thing about sideboards because the metagame shifts so slightly and with magic online everyone playing so much little card changes can have such a massive impact and that's part of the reason why i'm making this podcast in the first place is that i really want to draw out you know some of these cards that are just not seeing play and kind of making their premiere and really try to figure out like why are they in there and what are they uh, solving so uh, moving on to the next list, John Culver, he was playing a John list. Uh, he had some Zertaud Druids, which is a nice way to kind of speed the deck up a little bit, get a little bit of extra damage in there. Uh, really, it's kind of the same Jun shell. Uh, he got the room for those uh, Zertaud Druids just by taking out some of the main deck uh, mass removal. So he's only down to like two Mizium Mortars, he's not running any. Bonfires in the list. So that, that's a little bit of a change. His sideboard, he's kind of got a little bit of fun stuff in there. He's got a Pythian Needle. Uh, Pythian Needle, really good against control decks. It shuts down Aetherling, shuts down Planeswalkers. Personally, not a big fan of it myself. Uh, there's kind of that whole mentality that you don't sideboard versus certain cards, you sideboard versus decks. And if a control player is attacking you with an Aetherling, chances are the fact that he can't make it unblockable or make it do eight points of damage really. Doesn't matter because he should already own the game at that point. Uh, something else that he's got in there is uh, you know got the 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 dread boars, the duress, kind of the, the regular stuff that we've all seen. And you know he was also running the barter and blood, which again uh, was a really big fan of uh, that card. Uh, and then uh, eighth place was just you know again a uh, red green really beat down running a main deck wild shaman. That's really fun. One of uh, really heavy on like trickeries in the board, grill charms, so really, really strong cards there, and then just a lot of like the standards and the skull cracks, volcanics, all that kind of stuff. So uh, nothing too fancy there, but uh, very, very similar to, lists to the list that took down the Edmonton PTQ. Moving into the uh, Moto Premier events this week, I really don't want to go too much depth of uh, the decks. Really, we saw kind of a very, very wide variety of lists being played in the top eights of these premiers. There was four premiers on the weekend. Uh, Nothing too outlandish, uh, but there is a few decks that I wanted to touch on as I haven't really seen them very much out there. Uh, Some of them are kind of on the fringe and maybe are just starting to show some good results so maybe they're finally seeing the tuning that they need uh, as well as you know just a couple of things like uh for instance we were seeing uh, some tessas uh going into sideboards of reanimator which is a really really powerful card that kind of shuts off a lot of these creature-based aggro plans as well as in reanimator i saw golgari charms which uh, are both good to combat uh the uh, control decks by removing their ability to board sweep you as well as uh, combating aristocrats lists and the small humans list uh, by just minus one minus one on the board. Uh, it kills off you know their mana dorks but if you can you know take the bite out of a human list or you know pretty much wipe out everything that an aristocrats deck has uh, it means a really big deal. Uh, but as far as like the lists go, uh, I really just wanted to kind of touch on some of these uh, lists that I think are really uh, important to draw out. So the first one uh, was from one of the premier events. It's the first one that you'll see in the show notes. Uh, and that was uh, a fellow by the name of Agnara Online. He got 7th place in this event. Uh, and he was running a very, very interesting uh, white-green list. And uh, this uh, list here is just... It's got some really interesting things. It's got, you know, a couple uh, red sources in it. Uh, Red sources, not really too sure what they are accomplishing in the list. Uh, But they're there, I I guess, just for uh, Slayer Stronghold. Kind of give the guys a little bit more pump. Uh, and some movement, so uh, very similar to something that uh, Craig Wesco had been streaming. And this list is running uh, lots of small guys who kind of do some surprising things. Uh, you got Brushstrider, who's a three-one vigilance. You got Elite Inquisitor, the first strike vigilant guy. Uh, protection from vampires and werewolves is kind of really good in that JUN matchup. The uh, zombies. Maybe we'll see some of them really show up, but uh, not really, you know, too relevant. Uh, Some Fencing Nays, some Knight of Glories, Hearth Pilgrims, Silverblade Paladins, Wolfier Avenger. So really get small guys on the board, find a way to give them First Strike or Exalted or both, and beat up on the opponent. Uh, As far as things go, it's uh, definitely got uh, a kind of a enchantment sub theme to it where it's running abundant growths and ethereal armors and rancors to kind of build up their guys it's got a couple of flinching courage and then it's running you know like the standard selesnia charm type stuff uh, a janny caller of the pride so really feels like the hexproof list but it's really cut out all the hexproof stuff Uh, It's got kind of that enchantment theme to it, and it's got, like, really efficient, you know, first-strike fighters. So, uh, an interesting list. Uh, Some fun stuff it's doing in its sideboard. It's got Sigarda uh, as kind of like a big-end guy against some of these, you know, more controlling decks. And, uh the Flying Hexproof, can't sacrifice your dudes, just really beats up on some of the Jund plans, uh, you know, for the Hexproof deck, that might overlap onto this, so, you know, they might be thinking hey, I'll bring in Barter and Blood, well, Cigarter really shuts that plan down pretty quick. Uh, as well as, it's got Riders of Gavany, so if you're finding that your opponent is kind of throwing up a certain type of plan in front of you, or if you name Wizard, uh, no Boros Reckners are blocking anymore, so just a really, really handy thing to kind of get all of your human-based you know fighting, which is the majority of your deck through. So a really, really interesting deck. I've seen it a little bit. Uh, kind of keep an eye on it. I-, I think that this list, you know, again, is starting to see a little bit more tuning, starting to see some new stuff on the sideboard. So it might be worth, you know, bringing out and testing to an event. Uh, also, you know, it's, it's one of those, you know, tier two decks that nobody really tests for. So it can have, you know, a really, really strong showing uh, if the meta is in the right place for it. Uh, another list to uh, bring up here is a list that was by a fellow by the name of Bed Palm. He got eighth place in his premier event. Uh, it was the event ending in 459. Uh, and his list is a Bant. Uh, Geist of St. Traft list so this one here is going with uh, Voice of Resurgence, it's got Wayfaring Temples it's got Precinct Captains Geist of St. Traft so really on that populate kind of feel uh, token based aggression Uh, it's running Abandon of the Worms it's got Rancors, Rapid Hybridization and then like a main deck Rootborne Defenses so you can kind of get these blowouts where you are preventing your stuff from dying, potentially killing some of his blockers and adding more creatures to the board. Uh, along with that, he's got some Slesnia Charms, he's got some Simic Charms, he's got like a, a mono spell rupture to really just ruin someone's day, and an unflinching courage in the main deck to kind of be, you know, like just that gamble against an aggro deck that you might run into. Uh, Sideboard is just going for more of the token plans, so Tristanis, Thrag Tusks, uh, as well as he's also got a little bit of a control piece that he can side into as well. He can bring in Supreme Verdicts and Oblivion Rings, uh, some Essence Scatters, uh, and then he's also got just more Unflinching Courage if you just want to beat down. So uh, a very, very interesting deck, uh, really has the feel of kind of like the old Delver decks where it's just kind of get some guys on the board and just put pressure on and just Grow your pressure by adding that pressure. So, uh, really, really interesting little list. Uh, and then the big list to kind of keep an eye on is, uh, from the event ending in 486. And this one is by, uh, the Bachutina. Uh, if you are not a Moto, you know, follower or anything like that, uh, you might not recognize this name, but this guy is pretty much in every tournament online. This guy plays so much. He, I think, had the most QPs earned last season. Uh, he's also kind of the innovator behind that Junk Aristocrats list. Well, Brad Nelson kind of gets a lot of credit for bringing it to light. But Bet- was playing it online before him. And I'm really, you know, pretty sure that that's where Brad Nelson kind of, you know, based his list off of. So what he's done is he's stuck with junk. And what he's going for is just straight up the token plan. So he's getting rid of the aristocrat part of it, and he's really just focusing on tokens. So where he's going with this, he's got the Gaviny Township, but he's also got a Vault of the Archangel. He's kind of going into 24 lands. He's running the Voices, and he's running Avacyn's Pilgrims to kind of speed up the deck. He's going to Abin to the Worms, Call the Conclaves. He's got a Singleton Collective Blessing in there, which is just sick. Uh, increasing Devotion, which just clogs up the board. Uh, main deck Intangible Virtues, Link Green Souls, Midnight Haunting, Putrefy, Celestia Charms, Soren. The thing I love about this deck is that it just it can beat so many other decks uh, just with like the token plan. Um, against Reanimator you run into these situations where sure they've got the big guy, but if you're able to buy yourself a turn with one-fifth of a card, so your increasing devotion, you know, is essentially five fogs against a Thrag Tusk. Uh, when he's going Angel Serenity, and he has nothing good to target with his Angel Serenity on your side of the board, because all I can really hit are just random tokens, like, that's a really, really good feeling. So you really shut off a lot of that deck's way to kind of deal with you and interact with you. And in many ways, it's kind of like once you get the, the, the midnight haunting down and the ball to the archangel or a gavany township you really can just ignore a lot of these big creatures or if you need to just throw a fraction of a card in front of them to buy yourself another turn where you're getting a lot of beats in, in the air. So really really cool deck. Uh, check it out. Like uh, I would be, you know, really strongly considering taking a look at this and using this as a shell for something that, if you want to go into uh, PTQ this weekend and have something that nobody's seen, uh, I-, I would feel really, really strong about you know playing something like this. So uh, that would be the again the premier event in 4.8.6. Four eight, Six. That'll be in the show notes give it a look if you've got these cards of magic online try and jam some games or put it together in paper and test it out it looks really really cool uh you know we've just been really waiting for a strong tokens list to emerge and you know this could very well be it like keep an eye on anything this guy's playing Aaron LeCluze, uh from the Card Advantage podcast uh, did a recording with uh, Nicholas Sabin, the j- head judge of the Durham, North Carolina PTQ. I've got just a small uh, piece of that that just had some very interesting stuff about the tournament and some of the decks being played there.
1: The the one thing that really, really stood out and that I would encourage people to be aware of is junk Aristocrats in some flavor, whether it's Junk or uh, Dega, the black, red, white version, is one of the best decks in the the standard metagame right now. And it is probably the most complicated deck to play. To put it in historical context, you'd be looking at something like Goblin Bidding, back when Onslaught was a thing. And when you have decks like this, there are two things that will plague you throughout the day. The first is getting your triggers right. If you're having a stack Blood Artist triggers and Cartel Aristocrat activations and you're flashbacking, flashing back Lingering Souls and you have a Sorin Emblem in play, and, let alone Boros Reckoner, it's going to make you crazy. The second thing you have to be really mindful of is slow play. Because we don't look at every turn in a game of Magic as a completely new game state. We look at game states as being emergent so that the difference between the board state on turn 17 and the board state on turn 18 is very, very slight as opposed to being completely new. And so when players are playing decks that are very intricate in terms of what they expect of you regarding activated abilities, triggered abilities, combat math, you don't get to say, I'm playing slow but it's alright because I'm playing junk aristocrats. You still have to play at a reasonable pace. So, there are fast decks in the format. I mean, Nia Blitz is still a thing. You have slower decks in the format, like Esper Control, which I believe is what won the the PTQ at Atomic. But, I would definitely encourage players, if you're going to play a deck that has complex lines of play, or that has very diverse decision trees, you really want to make sure you know what you're... You can't just write down your junk aristocrats list with no playtesting and no experience with it whatsoever and expect to do well
0: thank you again to Mr. Clues uh, for bringing that uh, interview to us. Really can't stress what the uh, judge is going on about there, uh, especially with these complicated decks that are out there. There's some decks that you can really pick up and just kind of play it out and turn things sideways. Not very many decision paths. So, you know, it's, it's kind of simple in that sense, but when you start to get into more of the control matchups, some of these uh, engine-type decks, uh, you know, like Eggs was in Modern, it's really, really important that you have a good understanding of the deck because the judges are out there. They're trying to make that tournament move smoothly and slow play and trying to figure out the deck while you're playing in the tournament. It's just the recipe for disaster. Last thing I wanted to talk about before signing off for the week was uh, Travis's Woo's Izzet Blitz deck. So this is a deck that he took to the top 8 of the Portland PTQ. Uh, it is something definitely new on the scene. Uh, this deck kind of relies on a white-blue-red shell, uh, but really, really heavy on removal spells, uh, Boros Charm, is a Charm, Pillar of Flame, Searing Spear... Uh, it's got some Faithless Looting, some Thought Scours, so like a lot of Cantrippy-type items. And then it's uh, really kind of jamming in a Nivik Cyclops. That's the 3-mana 1-4 Defender, but whenever you cast a spell, it gets plus 3, plus 0, and can attack. So he's... Really trying to set up like a Nivix uh, Cyclops, and then with four mana being able to double art for artful dodge, so it's unblockable, and then double strike it with a Boros Charm to twenty you out. So, uh, it's it's a real potent deck. It's uh, very much a combo style uh, play. Uh, Nivix Cyclops having that four toughness means that it dodges a lot of removal. Uh, it's not immune, but it's you know in a really good spot. Uh, the other creatures that it runs in the deck are Snapcaster Mages and Gutter Snipes. So the Gutter Snipe being really powerful in that it turns Searing Spears into Lightning Axes and Boros Charms into 6-point shots to the head, Pillar of Flame into 4-point shots. So with the Gutter Snipe out there, you can just point all that removal at your face and really just end the game quickly. And then Snapcaster Mage kind of does the same job, that it just gets you a little bit more reach out of your spells. So really, really powerful off the get-go. Uh, can kill in, you know, 5-6 turns... Uh, If it gets that Cyclops on the board and you don't have a way to answer it, you're in a really, really scary place. And then it has a little bit of disruption in that is a charm that it can be, you know, a little bit of a counterspell. Uh, After the board, he has all kinds of crazy tools. He's got the Ralzarix, Jace Memory Adapts, he's got Boros Reckoners, he's got a Moreland Haunt. Uh, harvest Pyre, so he can kind of go into that Reckoner Harvest Pyre plan, uh, and then if you are kind of on like a removal heavy type deck, uh, like a Jund or something like that, he's also got Face Shields in the board, so that's kind of nice that he can pull out the Artful Dodges, he can put a Face Shield in there, he can keep his guy alive, and he can also get through Unblockable at times uh, just, you know, with the protection from the Face Shield, so, uh, it's a potent deck, I've played around with it a little bit, uh, I haven't had quite the success, it's very much uh, an all-in feel, so you are just like... that your opponent has the removal but at the same time if they do nothing to stop you you will just like go through and crush them really easy so uh, a deck to keep an eye out for he's got an article and a video on channel fireball might be something to take a look at Uh, again I don't think there's going to be very many people testing against this so you can probably catch a lot of people unaware with it and if it is the deck that kind of you know fits your needs it might be something to play out all right folks we're going to start wrapping things up here right away uh, just to kind of touch we've got uh, PTQs happening in Anchorage, Alaska Knoxville, Tennessee uh Keepy, New York I don't even know how to say that uh, Seattle, uh, Washington Toronto, Ontario and West Miffin, uh, Pennsylvania so if you're at any of these events you know what's going on at these events have deck lists have uh, contacts with judges tournament organizers anything like that if you could shoot them my way I would be really appreciative just want to get the information from these tournaments out and about uh, also going to uh Try to make a dedication to get these episodes out a little bit earlier. I know that this one's going to be coming out probably right into the weekend here, so we're uh, not going to have much time uh, before you know this weekend's uh, tournaments and this uh, being released. So really going to be trying to push to get this out earlier in the week. Uh, But uh, really, we just want to say a big thank you again to uh, the fine folks in Durham, North Carolina, uh, as well as a big uh, shout out to Spruke. Uh, and his Bump in the Night podcast. Uh, Spruke provides the music that uh, plays in between all the uh, segments and kind of uh, highlights in the background. Uh, as well as uh, just wanted to uh, uh, say a big shout-out to uh, listeners who've uh, sent in emails, who've sent in Twitter comments. Uh, I had a Twitter comment that uh, kind of uh, was a correction to one of the statements that I had made on last week's episode in regards to the the uh, Baltimore Esper deck Uh, it was uh, a case of me mentioning that Brad Nelson had kind of inspired a trading post play in the board of Esper, uh, whereas I guess Shaheen Sarani was actually kind of the innovator behind that, so a really big shout out to uh, Blaine for uh, pointing that one out Uh, as well as uh, Kim, uh, who uh, had sent in an email just with some feedback on the episode really want to thank uh, the folks who are sending in the feedback Uh, again we had gotten some deck lists so this is you know exactly what I'm looking for and the more feedback and the more deck lists and that kind of stuff that comes in the better I can do the show so really really appreciate it Uh, I've had some comments on the music that's going on in the background it's not really necessarily my forte but I'm going to probably keep it in there for a couple episodes until I can get a better handle on the software and we'll make some uh, changes there uh, but for now, uh, just uh, really hoping that uh, the folks who are going to be out grinding this weekend have some big success, and I look forward to hearing how uh, tournaments went and just uh, anything that you've got. So uh, thanks again for all the shout-outs or for all the uh, feedback, and uh, you can uh, catch me uh, on uh, the Card Advantage podcast this week, uh, recording with uh, uh, clues and... Uh the folks there, and as well on uh, Monday Night Magic, uh, I'm there uh, kind of as a mainstay, so I'm uh, there pretty much every Monday, and uh, just kind of talk about uh, a greater scope of what's happening in the magic community. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at uh, j underscore Schofield and on Magic Online at pigsofa underscore Twist. Uh, thanks again for a, a great week, and uh, we'll come back next week uh, with uh, what happened uh, this week. So have a great uh, have a great day.